0: I'm Carson Horn, and it's Friday at 11, which means it's time for Talkin' Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper, and let's get rolling. Time stops for no one. And it certainly did not stop in the world of Auburn sports this last month. But I am pleased to be back. I'm so excited. We've got a ton to talk about here. You are listening to Talking Tumors here on ninety one point one. I am a uh, just ecstatic. I-, I I can't tell you how excited I've been to get back to talk about what has happened this last month. I mean, I know it was holiday season. It was great to be home. I I love my time back at. Back at home, but man, it was tough not to be able to have an outlet to talk about Auburn sports when so much was happening—from football to basketball. It—it it, it was really eating at me, and I was—I need a way. If you—if you follow me on social media, I posted a little bit of stuff on Twitter, uh, but not much. I just don't like that outlet. I like to be able to talk to you guys. I like to be able to get your feedback uh, on, on everything Auburn sports related, and so I'm glad to finally be back in studio. And like I said, we're going to talk. Everything from Auburn basketball to Auburn football to gymnastics getting started. This is going to be a fun spring. We're going to have a lot of action going on, a lot of things to discuss from off-season football, recruiting, roster coaching situations, uh, to basketball season in full swing, to gymnastics getting going, to baseball here later on. Uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to what we're going to have to discuss. We're going to get more thoughts from you. We're going to have more guests on uh, this semester than we did last. So that's just some things to look forward to. But like I said, I don't want to waste any time. I've got a lot, a lot to dive into today. So I want to go ahead and straight into it. We're going to start out with Auburn basketball. We'll talk about that for a little bit before we move into what has happened this last month in Auburn football. So when I left you in December, Auburn basketball was still undefeated. They were about to play Colgate. Uh, they won that game. They were still undefeated after that game. But then they started, uh, running into some, some bumps in the road to be expected. Again, we, we talked about some things that were still an issue for this basketball team at that time. Some things they were gonna need to get fixed before they, pl- uh, play better competition. And well, those things got exposed. Those weaknesses got exposed. Some of the offensive weaknesses, uh, were really glaring. And quite honestly, Auburn basketball is in a really bad spot if, if you, if you look at, um, the Georgia game, after the Georgia game, as far as fan perspective went, a lot of frustration, a lot of question marks about even, is this a tournament team? Well, then you get to the last two games and, you know, things change on a dime. And that's basketball. It is not like, uh, football, in the way that one game is not the end of your season, it, basketball, you're going to lose. You're going to lose some bad ones that you shouldn't lose against teams you shouldn't lose to. You're going to win some games against teams you really shouldn't beat because there are going to be nights when shots don't fall, when a road environment gets to you, and and issues are going to really seem glaring when they're not as big, or maybe some issues you're just not noticing because you're winning. And it's important for coaching staff, and this is, you know, Auburn coaching staff is very, very good. Bruce Pearl and company do an excellent job uh, of really talking about the issues when the team is winning and, and then looking at the positive when the team is losing and things aren't as bad as they might seem. So that's going to be important. There's still issues with this basketball team despite the two losses. We'll get into those. And there are some things that were not as big of concerns as I think people made them out to be after, uh, the Georgia game. But anyways, going back and looking at after that Colgate game, Auburn then played in Atlanta against Memphis. And really, if you, if you remember that game, Memphis kind of dominated. Um, it was, Auburn had no defense for him after, you know, we had gone on and on about how good this Auburn defense is. And I still think it is. But on that day, uh, Memphis and their guards were just too much for this Auburn defense and they got beat. They came back and got an ugly win against Georgia State. Again, it was at home, but it wasn't a typical home environment with the students being off campus, and they got the job done. But like I said, wasn't pretty. Then they had to head out west, which was going to be a, a tough stretch. I wanted Auburn in this Memphis, USC, Washington stretch to go two and one. Georgia State was thrown in there. You know, counted that as a win. They went one and two against those three teams. Wasn't ideal. They lost USC in a in a back and forth a battle a physical game. I thought the officiating uh, in that in that game was was questionable, but that's going to be the case and throughout the SEC as well. Uh, that was a tough matchup, a tough loss. Uh, Wendell uh, was banged up in in that game. He tried to give it a go, but really couldn't. Trey Donaldson though had an excellent game. That was when that was when Trey kind of solidified himself. To me, as the backup point guard and a guy who make who can make a difference on this team, after they kind of the, the staff kind of had a fade Chance Westry out there, and we'll talk about him more in a second. But Trey kind of came into his own. He played really big against USC. He played really well uh, again in Washington, but it wasn't enough against USC. Again, like I said, Wendell was still banged up in the Washington game, but Auburn dominated. Won that game by 23. So that was important coming off the USC loss. Washington's not a good team. They're not. But still, you're on the West Coast. You're on the road. You had just come off a loss to USC. It was big uh, to get that win. And then you started conference play. So you got a home game against Florida. A lot of history there, as I'm sure as you watched the game, you heard all about it with the Todd Golden Connection, former Auburn coach, now at Florida. That was a battle. That was a fist fight, and I think you're going to see a lot more games like this uh, this year for this Auburn basketball team. Of course, Colin Castleton was still there. Auburn came up, wasn't a great offensive night, but did enough, really played good defense. Uh, Janai Broom, man, he impressed me. I've been hypercritical of him, but he played out of his mind that night defensively and uh, was able to shut down Colin Castleton, as well as some other guys that helped out like Alan Flanagan in that game, and Auburn won that game 61-58. to But like I said, offensive issues, despite that win, were still prevalent, and then they got exposed against Georgia. Yet again, the defense, though, was an issue. They struggled defensively against Georgia's guards. Georgia's guards did a good job getting downhill, and uh, Auburn wasn't able to do enough offensively to make up for their lack of defense that they so depend on in that Georgia game, and that was just ugly. Georgia, quite honestly, dominated. They controlled that game, uh, similar to the Memphis game. That was frustrating. And that's where you started to hear all the noise. So much, a lot of negative about certain players not doing enough. You, you started to hear a lot of, uh, negative, uh, just about this coaching staff not preparing them. And then the response. The last two games have been an excellent response from this basketball team. They weren't going to let the noise get to them. They went, they went back to work. And they played a lot better. That was a huge win at home over Arkansas. Arkansas has their issues. They do. They're 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 not a very good team right now. They've had some injuries. And they struggle to score. They struggle to shoot. But still, that's a very talented team. That's a team that you know by March is going to be peaking. Because Eric Musselman always has his teams peaking at the right time. So that was a big win, and to to not ever trail in that game is an absolutely huge deal. It was a great environment. I was in the student section for it. It was a lot of fun, and like I said, a absolutely huge win and a great response. But yet, there were still questions you got to go back on the road. This is another bad team, but Georgia's not a good team, and yet you got dominated on the road. So how are you going to do going to Ole Miss, who in history has given Auburn a lot of issues, that 1-3-1 zone defense that you saw uh that kind of morphed into a 2-3, and Ole Miss ran more man with it uh, the other night. Kermit Davis, again, even last year with the team that Auburn had, this gave Auburn fits, and it has through the years just a tough place to play because of their defensive philosophy Yet Auburn had one of their best offensive nights of the season, and I would argue their best offensive night so far in SEC play uh, as well. Scored 82 points. Defensively, I thought they did fine. Uh, Ole Miss made some tough shots uh, that you wouldn't typically expect to go in. Won that game by nine on the road again. Like I said, it's a game you should win, but coming off the old, uh, the Georgia loss on the road, it was good to see Auburn do what they were supposed to do on the road, look, winning on the road in the SEC is not going to be easy. So when you get chances on the road against teams like Ole Miss and like Georgia, you really got to make the most of it because those are supposed to be weaker teams in the league. Auburn didn't capitalize on that opportunity against Georgia. But they did against Ole Miss. That is a big deal, and something's going to need to be continued going forward. I look at some of the other away games that Auburn has. They go away to South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina's just beat Kentucky. If we have time, we'll talk about what a dumpster fire Kentucky basketball is right now. But that's one that you really got to win on the road. Uh We'll talk about LSU later on. Um but you got to go to away to Tennessee. That's going to be hard. Away to A&M. That's going to be hard. Vanderbilt is a road game that you can win as well. They're another one of those. But Kentucky away, Alabama away, those are going to be tough matchups. Like I said, I know Kentucky, I still think they'll get things figured out. Um, that's a neither here nor there. But my point is, you've got to win the road games against bad teams. Because the road games against home teams are going to be nearly impossible in this league uh home court advantage is a huge, huge deal uh in the SEC uh with the with the environments um that you're going into. So like I said, I I'd recap kind of what has happened so far during the season and this old miss game. I liked what I saw um from there. SEMO of course, I, I have to mention that. Uh Chris Moore, the forward uh for Auburn went out with a what they're uh calling a dislocated shoulder don't know the time frame on that. I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit. Uh, uh, Bruce did not say whether or not he was going to play uh, this weekend. I would doubt it if it is separated. I, I, I wouldn't expect him to play. But again, no official word there uh, for Simo. That's a loss. He's a starter. He he he's a quiet player because he's not someone who who scores the basketball uh, like you would like you would think of a starter or someone of his position, but the defense he plays, the rebounding that he plays, he's been a spot-up shooter at times. He's a very vocal leader for this basketball team. So don't think it's not a loss. It it is a loss. You may not notice it as much on the stat sheet, but his, like I said, his defense, his rebounding, his leadership, that will most definitely be missed. He has been a consistent player all year uh, for this basketball team. So his, his injury certainly... Uh, will have an impact on this team, uh, moving forward. So something, uh, to keep an eye on, uh, as we continue on. I've got more to talk about, uh, regarding this Auburn basketball team. Uh, we're gonna dive into some players when we get back and then preview this Mississippi State, uh, game that's uh, scheduled for Saturday night and the LSU game because those games will take place uh, before my next show. So that's coming up in the next segment. We'll continue on to basketball. And then in the back half of the show, that'll be all football. So make sure to st- uh, stay locked in. We have got plenty, plenty more to discuss here uh, as we roll on. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. The Alabama Securities Commission regulates the inventors adopt U.S. kids and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Talking Tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. I mentioned that these last two games were a turning point for this Auburn basketball team, I felt. That, that's not to mean that they're not going to have some ugly games. I hope an ugly game is not this Saturday. That does not mean that there's still not some weaknesses with this team that they're just going to have to fight through that I, I don't necessarily think are, are fixable. But there's a reason that this, this team has looked a lot better these last two games, and I'll give you three names. Jani Broom, Alan Flanagan, and Wendell Green. Those guys are the reason, and that trio, they're going to have to be the catalyst for this basketball team. As those three guys go, so will this team. I know there's going to be a strong argument for Jalen Williams. He's got to be consistent, but I don't think he swings the pendulum, if you know what I mean. These guys swing the pendulum. Like, you need Jalen Williams to give you his near double-digit, around double-digit points every game, and a a few rebounds, and, and playing good defense. But if Alan Flanagan and Wendell Green are having good games, Auburn's probably winning. If Janai Broome's having a, a good game, then Auburn's going to be in a good spot. Now, I thought play has played well since SEC play started. I was hard on him. I was hard on him back in December. That I was frustrated with some of the things I expected from him as far as scoring went uh, around the basket, that I didn't feel like he was doing enough of that. Well, that has changed here in these last few games, and he has made – some beautiful post moves, has made some really tough baskets that have been very impressive in what I was really expecting from him going into this season. So while he has played well, I think, throughout SEC play, really when Alan Flanagan in the last two games had turned it on offensively and Wendell has gotten back healthy from his ankle injury and started to play better, that's crucial. That is crucial. And so as those three go, this team uh, is going to go. And, you know, Alan Flanagan, that guy has the, the criticism that he has experienced, um, and what he has, what he has gone through, uh, as a, as a player as far as injuries and, and, and and everything that he has, uh, experienced. He has some, some issues here in the offseason. You want a guy like that to succeed. And so to see him finally see some balls go in the basket, to stop turning the ball over, It's been wonderful to see, and it's big for Auburn. To to see him play at that sophomore year Allen Flanagan uh, level again, it's huge. It really is, and it's a difference maker for this basketball team and can take them to another level if he can continue to play. Two games can still be a fluke, so we need need to continue to see it at a consistent basis. You know he's going to give you defense night in and night out, and that's crucial even when he's not playing well on the offensive end. But if he can be a scorer like he has been the last two games, I mean – I can't overstate the importance of that. As far as Wendell goes, he, he we this year this Auburn team cannot afford Wendell to have quiet nights. Just can't. It, it, if he if he does, it, it's going to be an issue because he points have to come from him their defenses are gonna try to take away him getting to the basket. Understand that. But if that's happening, that means he's gotta knock down some threes. Uh he's gotta extend the defense and pull them further out. If he can knock down deeper threes, then that opens up some driving lanes, uh some pick and roll action again. He he can't go quiet. You can't look up and he has zero points at halftime, which has happened some this season. He is very important. He's gotta stay involved in the offense. As far as Janai Broom goes He's the best player on the team, in my opinion, just because of what he brings from defensive end, uh, rebounding, and and scoring. I think you got to continue to feed him along with Jalen Williams down in the post. Continue to work, give him opportunities to score, let him go to work in the post, let him go to work on the defensive end. You, uh, I mean, he's had multiple double doubles this year. He continues to play at that level. There's going to be Almer's uh, going to win a lot of games this year and, and going to have a good chance to make a run. Here in March. Now I want to talk about another player. Who I don't mention in this three. Who really has been quiet this year. And that's Katie Johnson. And not really what I expected to be honest. I really thought he was going to be a bigger factor. As far as scoring went this year. Because he was a pretty big factor. As far as scoring went last year. But his his minutes have gone down. Uh, so far this season. Part of that is because. Uh, Zepp is no longer playing the one. And so whereas Zepp playing the one and the two last year, he's not doing that anymore. He's just playing the two. And KD is just, uh, so KD and him are just rotating there. And Zep has gotten more of the minutes. He's been in the closing lineup. However, I do want to compliment KD on some things. I think he has been a better, a facilitator this year. He has not always been as aggressive to take shots that aren't of high quality or to constantly drive into, you know, Three guys down there at the basket, he's been willing to uh, get the ball up more. Uh, So I think that is good. However, I I think it is important for him still to have that ability to go get a basket when you need a basket. So I would like to see him. I think he is due for a big night. I don't know if that's going to be Saturday night. Uh, tomorrow night against Mississippi State, or when that is. But I think he's due for another double-digit game, uh, where he, where he kind of goes off. He just hasn't seemed to be able to get into that flow, uh, offensively this year that we're, that we're used to seeing, uh, from him. So I hope that he can get it figured out. Again, it, it typically, a KD night usually comes on a, a night where the other guys are struggling. Maybe it's a night where Wynn is struggling. Maybe it's a night where Flan is struggling. And KD steps up and he delivers. I think you're going to need that at some point and probably multiple times this season. So I'd love to see that happen for him. Uh, I'm a big KD fan. I want him to succeed. So I'd love to see that from him. And then I mentioned this. Chance Westry. He has fallen out of the rotation completely. But with Chris Moore's injury, I'm interested to see if he can get back in this rotation. Uh, of course, Leor ended up playing those some more of those minutes. Flanagan ended up playing probably over 30 minutes against... um Oh, Miss the other night when Simo got injured. But can Chance Westry come into that three and kind of play a little bit and get some of those minutes? I'd love for him to. I really hate that he's fallen out of the rotation. I, I don't blame it on the, on the coaches for having to pull him out of the rotation. He he was playing poorly. I, I don't think they had a, had a choice to do so. It's been disappointing. I had high expectations for him. I, I ha, You know, there's theories out there of why he has struggled the way he has after such high expectations. Uh, the injury, the knee surgery, he had this summer. As minor as it may have been, what effect has that had on him? Uh, I would say it, it most certainly seems to have had a big effect. But Auburn coaches will tell you he was the highest graded guard this summer. So what you saw from him this summer led you to believe, like, hey, you know, this, this guy's gonna could end up being a starter for us. He's gonna be a difference maker. Um, but now he doesn't even play. So that's been that's been sad to see. He's another guy that you hope. Maybe he gets another opportunity. Maybe he he gets back healthy and he gets out there and, and he makes a difference at some point for this team it is now his opportunity. We'll see. I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see if he gets any playing time uh, this Saturday if Chris Moore cannot go. That's something to certainly keep your eye on as you're watching this game. So with all that being said, as far as roster goes, let's finally dive in to the preview of Mississippi State and the LSU game. So Mississippi State, uh, looking at their record, they are twelve and four, one and three in the SEC. Uh, Mississippi State was the team that went the longest in college basketball in the SEC as undefeated, but they had an extremely weak non-conference schedule. They have a new coach this year, um. So I think a little bit of that, you know, a lot of the hype they got, and again, no matter who you're playing, it's it's a big deal to be able to win you know, the games you're expected to win night in and night out, but they got a little bit overrated just because of that schedule. You saw it back with um, the 2020 Auburn team, who I think is obviously better than this Mississippi State team, but you saw it. They went undefeated in non-conference play, a lot of hype. Then you got in conference play. You lost some games. Um, you know, you're not as good as you thought you were, you know, because of the, the level of competition. So this Mississippi State team, they also, though, had to face, a brutal, I mean, a brutal opening SEC play. They opened with Alabama and Tennessee, who those two teams have really separated themselves right now as the top two teams in the SEC. It's Bama and Tennessee, and then there's a gap. I think Auburn's at number three right now, according to the SEC. A&M is at number three in conference standings. Auburn's at four. I do think currently Auburn's the third-best team in the SEC. But there's a gap there. Those two teams have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Can teams catch up? Can teams like Auburn, Arkansas, A&M, maybe Kentucky, catch up? Possibly, but right now there's a big gap, I, I believe, in between Bama and Tennessee and the rest of the conference. So State had to open with them, and then they got a home win against Ole Miss in, in their rivalry there. And then they also, just recently on Wednesday night, lost on the road at Georgia, similar to Auburn. Uh theirs was a a low scoring affair, fifty-eight to fifty was the final in that one. Mississippi State, they went seven for twenty-two from the charity strike, and that really was the difference. Thirty-one percent. They shot almost the exact same percentage uh from uh the field in the game. They shot better from three in the game than Georgia, but Georgia made twenty five 3 throws compared to seven uh for Mississippi State on twenty two tries. That was really the difference. This, this Mississippi State team is a good defensive team. They're, they're led by, as you probably heard the name, it feels like he's been at Mississippi State forever. Uh, Tolu Smith, 6'11, veteran forward. He's their leader. Uh, he's their guy, averaging 14, uh, points per game. Uh, he, he is the, the centerpiece of this team. So again, it's gonna be hard to score at the basket with a, with a presence like him down there for the guards to get to the basket. And every defense that faces Auburn knows that so this Auburn team's not a great three-point shooting team. So they're going to try to stop anything around the basket. They're going to try to take away Janai. They're going to try to take away Jalen. They're going to, tr- they're going to uh, take away the pick and roll and they're going to try to force Auburn to take three pointers. And, and that's a great defensive philosophy. Auburn did it against Arkansas and it worked beautifully. And that's what other teams want to do to Auburn because again, they're not a great shooting team. Uh but as far as um Mississippi State uh uh goes, again, besides Tolo Smith, they're uh fifth overall, uh I forgot that stat, fifth overall defensively uh in the country as far as points given up uh per game. They've given up fifty six point eight. That is very, very good. So, like I said, a very good defense. However, there's a caveat to this, since SEC play has started in the four games so far in SEC that they played it's been 69 points per game. But I add a caveat onto that, Alabama scored 78 against them. Tennessee scored 87. Like I just said, they gave up uh, 58 to Georgia, and they gave up, I think, just a little bit more than that, or around the same margin uh, to Ole Miss in their game. So it's hard to tell exactly where it would fall um, against the majority of the SEC, not including Tennessee, and Alabama. So you've got two, they play two of the best teams in the SEC and two of the worst, uh, so far. So it's kind of hard to feel. But overall, though, I do think this is a very good defense. And so this, this game more than likely is going to be another one of those games where you're going to be a little frustrated with the offense. It's going to be ugly. But as I, as I've said all year, whether I've gotten to say it on the show or not, I, I don't ever think this Auburn team is going to be a very good offensive team. I just don't. I don't think the pieces are there. I think they can be an average at best offensive team. But if you, continue, if you play good defense, and I think the adjustments they made since some better guards have, have dominated them, like in the Georgia game, like in the Memphis game, uh, where guards have gotten the better of this defense, besides those games, I think it's Auburn defense that is very good. So you mix very good defense with an average offense, you can win a lot of games. And that just means you got to make some games ugly. And I have a feeling that's how this Mississippi State game is going to go. I think it'll be ugly. I, I've said all along as well that for Auburn to win games this year, they need to keep things in the 60s. Obviously, it was higher than that at Ole Miss. But I think against better teams in the SEC, you got to keep things ugly. If you keep things in the 60s, you can win. I think Arkansas scored right at 60. So that kind of proves my, proves my point there. Uh, keep, keep it a little bit ugly. Play good defense. You know, take your points where you can get them. And, and it doesn't matter how you win them, just figure out a way to win them. And I think that's the philosophy that, that this team has got to play with. You, you know, you hear the phrase rock fight. I think, I think that's how it's got to go, uh, for Auburn. So I like Auburn in this matchup. I think they'll get the win, but I won't be surprised if it's ugly. Then they've got to travel to LSU. I'll do a quick preview of this before we go to the break. LSU has a new coach, pretty much a completely new team. Uh, there's a lot of hype. Well, maybe they're for real after they knocked off Arkansas uh, to open up SEC play. Now they're sitting at 1-3. and three. Uh, They're actually a pretty good three-point shooting team overall, uh, uh, fifth in the SEC. They're led by K.J. Williams, transfer. Murray State and Adam Miller, another transfer, I think, from Illinois. Those are talented players there for this team, so they've got talent. Still figuring out how to mesh when you bring in a whole new team of transfers. Auburn's got the better team, but again, it's a road game. It won't be an easy road game. Uh, LSU's a middle of the pack SEC team, so that, one, that one's going to be a tough one for Auburn as well. But I'm looking forward to watching Auburn basketball over these next few games and seeing in these last two games. Were a fluke, or this is this a trend? Has this Auburn team improved? And where uh, where do they go from here? So we'll know even more about this team after these next two games when we come back here on Friday. And with that, we've got to go to break. When we come back, we'll be diving into all things Auburn football. So make sure to stay tuned here to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91. point Football now, wow, what a month it has been since I was last on air. So much was still to be taken care of and man, how how fast things have to move in this new era of college football from from recruiting to coaching staffs. I, I think maybe the only hire made or the only two hires made at this point uh, a month ago was, I think, Cadillac Williams was announced that he was coming back, and I think Jeremy Garrett had been hired as defensive line coach or was close to being hired as defensive line coach. Besides that, Hugh Free still had a whole staff to figure out he had to get uh, rolling, recruiting, and in a big way, how to get going to try to salvage and, and build a competitive roster because of what, you know, detriment and this terrible place that, that Brian Harson left this roster in. And uh, we'll dive into more of the roster either on this show or next week and try to get to it this show. But first, I want to talk about the coaching staff and the, the staff that Hugh Freeze has put together. Over this last month and then dive in a little bit into the coordinators. So first, uh, I'm going to go through position coaches and then I'll talk about coordinators and talk about their kind of philosophies and what I think you'll see on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So I'm just looking here on the, on the, uh, staff side. I'll start, uh, with the tight ends coach. Uh, forgive me if I butcher the last name. Uh, Ben, uh, Iga Mawa, I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm, I'm not for sure on that. Uh, he uh, came with Hugh Freeze uh, from from Liberty. I think Hugh Freeze thinks highly of him. I don't know too much uh, about him, uh, but he did come with Hugh Freeze from Liberty. The uh, other two guys that have come uh, from Liberty with him on this staff, uh, Josh Aldridge, the linebacker's coach, was a defensive coordinator at Liberty and was their interim head coach. For the bowl game, uh, he's had some experience. I think he coached with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss, so he has some experience in the SEC. Uh, he comes in as linebacker's coach. Then Jeremy Garrett comes in as a defensive line coach without, uh, with him from Liberty. So those three guys came as on-field staffers from Liberty. He brought Ken Scott with him uh, to be a quarterback or offensive analyst, going to coach quarterbacks, I believe, um, in the off-field role. He was the OC at Liberty. So you may be like, oh no, this is going to be like Brian Harson 2.0, bringing everybody with him. No, these, this is, this is a different situation, uh, as far as these guys have had some experience in the SEC. Uh, these guys are, he didn't bring everyone with him for, for one. He also put them in different roles. Um, you know, I, I really think Jeremy Garrett, I know there's a lot of eye rolling there. He's been on some lists of some top up and coming coaches in college football. Uh, before he was even hired by Auburn, just this past season, his Liberty D, Liberty's D line was one of the best in the country, uh, this past season, definitely probably one of the best in the group of five. And so he is seen as a really stud, uh, coach. And then, like I said, Josh Aldrich has some SEC experience, uh, worked with Hugh Freeze, at Ole Miss, I believe. Um, uh, so those, it's, it's not the same. I wouldn't get too carried away with that or worrying about that, especially when you look at the rest of this staff. So, Going now with offensive line coach, Hugh stole Jake Thornton from Ole Miss's staff. I promise you, Ole Miss did not want to lose him. Lane Kiffin did not want to lose him. He is only 29 years old, yet he has already solidified himself as a very good offensive line coach. is a dynamic recruiter. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do on the recruiting trail, uh, recruiting trail along with coaching these guys up. Uh, I think he's excited, a high energy guy. I think he was a fantastic hire for Hugh Freeze and for Auburn fans, it made you feel good to be able to to steal a coach from um from Ole Miss. And that was not the only thing Auburn stole from Ole Miss. We'll get into more of that later on. In secondary uh, and cornerbacks, that's Wesley McGriff. Him and Zach Etheridge are going to be a duo back there. Zach Etheridge is going to coach safeties. Wesley McGriff, you may recognize the name, Crime Dog. Has been at Auburn before uh, under Gus Malzahn. A good coach, a very good recruiter as well. Has South Florida ties. Uh He helped land a couple more defensive backs in this class for Auburn. Uh, I know the DBs are excited to get him back. I think he was well-liked uh, during the Gus Malzahn era. So, again, he brings experience as a coach. He brings experience as a recruiter. He knows the SEC. He knows Auburn. Uh, it, it's important to have a good balance and a good mix, and that's something that Hugh Freeze did extremely well with this staff. Mixing young, mixing old. You've got a young defensive line coach, you've got a a young offensive line coach, you've got some young other young position coaches, but then you've got experienced coordinators. You have got some older older coordinators with Philip Montgomery and Ron Roberts, that I'll talk about in just a second. But let's finish out the positions. Uh, you've got Marcus Davis as wide receivers coach, another name. You might recognize Marcus Davis was a former Auburn wide receiver from, I believe, 2013 through like 2016, 2017, something like that. He was a Auburn uh, receiver during the Gus Malzon era. He is, uh, was in a GA for Auburn. Uh, he went on to, uh, coach wide receivers at Hawaii in 2021. And then he was at Georgia Southern this past season. Uh, somebody the, uh, analytic group that helps hire coaches, rating him as a five-star uh, coach. And, again, he is another young, highly motivated guy that's a punt on alma mater and that's going to get after it, both coaching and on the recruiting trail. So I'm very excited. It's, it's always great. You you, you know, you, you would love to hire a whole staff full of guys who are just Auburn grads. You have to be careful, though, to think that every every coach that played at Auburn or, you know, coached Auburn before is is, is – is the, makes the best staff ever. That's not necessarily uh, the case, but it is nice when you can get former Auburn guys on staff. They can relate, especially somebody like Marcus Davis, who, I mean, less than a decade ago was playing at Auburn. So he can relate to these guys. That's important, but you also got to remember you got to get some guys that may not have those same uh, connections. But then finally, position Zach Etheridge, as I just mentioned him, he's going to move from the whole defensive backs to just safeties. This was a no-brainer. He was never in doubt that he was not going to be uh, rehired uh, by by Hugh Freeze. They just had to work out the contract. And if you follow recruiting at all, you know why he is one of the best recruiters in the country. Not just not just like oh, you know, he's a really good recruiter for Auburn. No, that Joker is a absolute stud of a recruiter. I, I would argue top ten in college football. I mean, what he has done for this Auburn recruiting class. It's just remarkable. I mean, just go and, just go and look at the secondary recruits. But not just, besides, he had a role in Kildred Falk as well, and, and many other guys. Him and Zach, uh, him, him and Cadillac were crucial. I mean, crucial in continuing to recruit during, uh, during the interim period. And if it wasn't for, uh, Cadillac and for Zach Etheridge, I mean, th- this class wouldn't be what it is. But really, I give a lot of credit to Zach Etheridge for what he did. Uh, not only during the interim period, but before then. And, and once Hugh Freese was on staff, he is a phenomenal recruiter and a great coach, someone who uh, Hugh Freese knew he couldn't let go of. And then, of course, Cadillac, we had already talked about him. He stays on at running back. Now your coordinators. So I mentioned you've got a great mix. You've got a young, dynamic group, uh, diverse group of assistant coaches. And now your coordinators, you've got experience. Ron Roberts, a long time defensive coordinator, ton of experience. Philip Montgomery, a long time OC and head coach, ton of experience. And you're going to put that and let these guys, as far as recruiting go, not take a back seat, but they're not going to have to do the, the bulk of the work. You've got dynamic young guys to go out there and do the bulk of the work recruiting. You're going to let the coordinator sit back, focus, focus more on the X's and O's and then try to close the deal with recruits. That's what they're going to do. But let's first talk about Ron Roberts' defensive philosophy. He's gonna be a base of a 4-2-5 is what you're gonna get more, uh, out of, out of Ron, Ron Roberts. But he's a multiple. So he'll do some 3-3-5 as well. You'll see some different looks. But a 4-2-5 is mainly what you're gonna see. Which is what you, you more or less see most of the time in the SEC because of the way spread offenses are now. You really got to have five defensive backs on the field because you've got to have that athleticism now to cover these dynamic receivers, to tackle in space. It's important to have more athletes out on the field. So you play that nickel position, a guy that's kind of like a defensive back, kind of like a linebacker. You play that position, he's going to use that. That'll be an important position for Auburn. And his history as a defense coordinator has been really good. 2022 has really been an outlier. Him and Baylor decided to part ways, but he was a highly sought after defense coordinator. Arkansas wanted him as well. Uh actually for a long time that's where kind of thought he was gonna land until Hugh Freeze kinda swept in there and decided that's who he wanted. Uh he's had a lot of success. That twenty twenty one Baylor defense is what you really want to look at and what he was able to accomplish there uh with Baylor they were only giving up around sixteen points per game in twenty twenty one. Uh his his coaching tree, is guys who have coached with him or under him as either a defense coordinator or as a head coach uh is, is pretty um stout. So I think this is a great defensive mind to add. Uh get him the talent that he needs and he can make it happen. I believe this was a good hire as far as defensive coordinator went. I'm looking forward uh, to watching how he works. He's also been fun uh, to watch on social media, just as a side note. He has really uh, hit it off with the Auburn fans, something you wouldn't expect from somebody like Ron Roberts. But he's been a cool guy. And then Philip Montgomery, offensive coordinator. I, I think everyone's very much excited about this, maybe taken back a little bit that Hugh Freeze decided to give up play calling. We talked a little bit about this last month. Uh, that Hugh Freeze was considering this in order to focus more on recruiting and roster management. And again, I was even a little bit concerned, but just because I don't want us to go down this road like we did with Gus Malzahn. But I think this is going to be different because you got someone like a Philip Montgomery, a guy that you know can call plays, a guy that's proven, that's been a head coach. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how these two mix their offense philosophies. They're similar. They are. They're both spread. However, there's a, there's a little bit more uh, of a dynamic passing game to Philip Montgomery. What you saw at Baylor was three wideouts, four wideouts. Um, it's gonna be, but the formations will be for the most part the same. How they line up could be a little bit different. Um, and then again, I think you'll see a a, a more of a, a basic run game. But don't think just because Baylor did. You know, you felt like Baylor was just all passing. Even Robert Griffin, I think, said it when commenting on this hire. No, everything still starts with the run game. The run game's still going to be important for Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze. So really, I'm intrigued. I, I think, I, I think the mixing of this system, but I think it's gonna be mainly Philip Montgomery's system. I think you'll have some sprinkle of some Hugh Freeze stuff in there. But again, their stuff is already similar. Their formations, their, what they call stuff's gonna be different. And there'll be a few more concepts that are a little bit different. But it's still spread offense, so a lot of similarities there. But again, you're going to see more of a passing attack like you saw at Tennessee, I hope. Because Josh Heupel comes from that same tree that Phil Montgomery is in, that Art, that Art Bryles tree. So I'm very excited to see the passing game evolve like we have that I have not seen at Auburn in my lifetime as far as passing games going to go. This is going to be exciting uh, to watch. And we'll and we'll talk more about this as we have the time. But we've got to go to break now. Before we head in this final segment, we'll talk about recruiting uh, to close uh, out the show. So we'll be right back here on Weagle 91.1. You're listening to Talking Tumors here as we enter our final segment. I apologize for teasing you about recruiting. I'm going to make you have to wait one more week to go – Uh, really in-depth in that and there's a reason because the transfer portal isn't quite over yet and so i'm going to wait for everything to get finalized there uh you still have until wednesday players still have until wednesday to be enrolled in classes at auburn if they want to be uh want to come on in in this semester so i'm going to wait there still could be some things that happen this weekend and guys getting in here by wednesday so i'm going to wait till next friday to really talk about recruiting and talk about it in more of a uh, finality since, cause everything for most part will be done at that point, minus some high school recruiting still to be done in February. So I apologize. I'm going to make you wait for that. But instead, I want to mention, uh, first that, uh, gymnastics has season has started. Uh, they, uh, excuse me. They don't play. They have a meet tonight at 630 against number two Florida. Uh, they started out the season with a, I don't know, again, apologize. I don't know the terms exactly. They had a, uh, four team meet. They came in third to open up the season out in, um, I believe it was out west somewhere I and mean, maybe in California. Uh, but now they come back, uh, to, and have to travel on the road to Florida. Their first home meet will be next Friday against Arkansas. Uh they're ranked number six in the in the country in the gymnastics rankings that I could find. Florida's ranked number two, so this will be a big meet for them tonight to see if they can pull that one out. They did have their best score ever on an opening night in their opening meet uh this past week. So that's a big deal. Again, this is SUNY Lee's last season on the planes because after this season she will uh begin to prepare for the Olympics, so uh, I think every Auburn fan will be looking forward to to getting the chance to watch her and this whole gymnastics team. They are very, very talented. Uh, watch them uh, this season. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. Again, we'll have more on that uh, next week as they open up, like I said, at home against Arkansas next Friday for their first home meet after being on the road here for these first couple of weeks. With that being said now, let's recap the year of 2022 in Auburn sports, at least in the Auburn sports that that uh, I'm going to cover and have covered here on Talking Tumors. Uh, I'll start out with basketball. So basketball, you know, 2022 was an absolutely incredible year uh, for Auburn basketball. Uh, finished number one, uh, was ranked number one in the country uh, for a period of time during last season. You had Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler who are now in the NBA and having are well on their ways to having great careers there. Auburn won the SEC regular season. Uh it it was a lot of great uh memories and a lot of fun uh, to be an Auburn basketball fan. And it still is, but last season was was truly remarkable. Bruce Pearl talks about making history. That team did that. It was a great twenty twenty two and the Great 2021 as well for Auburn, but again, we're looking at uh, 2022 basketball. It really was a remarkable remarkable year for Auburn basketball. And so far this season, another remarkable stat is this Auburn basketball was ranked the entire 2022 year. That is something that Bruce Pearl and his staff wanted because, like I said, he talks about making history, that's history. That's two different teams, two different teams that stayed ranked in the AP poll throughout the whole entire year of 2022. That's a very impressive thing. Not many teams can say that they are able to do that. That's something that Auburn certainly hopes to keep going in 2023. It'll be challenging again. It's going to be a tough schedule. SEC's brutal. Um but it's something that uh, you're going to look forward uh, look forward to and try to keep keep doing if you're Auburn basketball. And then, as I was just mentioning, gymnastics. Gymnastics made the final four, came in third in, in the final four, and gymnastics had a wonderful, wonderful season. They were, uh, a lot of fun to watch in SUNY Lee's freshman year, uh, of course. But like I said, a lot of, a lot of other very talented gymnasts, uh, on that squad. So it was a huge year, uh, for gymnastics as well. Uh, and then Auburn baseball. Auburn baseball made the college world series. Um, Butch Thompson, the job he has done with this baseball program, and we'll talk more about baseball as we get into February, and they start, I think, 17th. Uh, of course, you had Sonny DeSherman a man who was just uh, so fun to watch. You had the uh, winning the regionals, hosting the regionals at home and winning that, uh, going out to the middle of nowhere in Oregon uh, to play the Super Regional against Oregon State, who has a great pedigree of winning national championships in baseball out there and to defeat them. Uh, it was a, uh, a great run for Auburn baseball, uh, their second, uh, trip in the Butch Thompson era to the college, uh, baseball world series. And certainly, uh, bringing in a talented roster, uh, for this season. So it was, those were kind of the few, you know, main sports that, that we cover here that had a lot of success in 2022. As far as not being successful, Auburn football, of course, it it was a mess in 2022, all the way at the very beginning when you had the off-field uh, drama in the season with Brian Harson where he was nearly fired, and then leading into the season and what that was. But there's a lot of positives to think about in the year 2022 towards the end there with Auburn football with Cadillac and how this fan base uh, – Rallied around this football team, rallied around Cadillac Williams and his leadership, moving into the hiring, uh, process and the hiring of Hugh Freeze and how recruiting went there at the end of December with signing day. There are positives. There are things to look forward to as far as football goes and, and this, um, and Auburn. So here's to a great 2023. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more history uh, in Auburn sports in this upcoming year from basketball to baseball to football to gymnastics to, to everything under the sun here at, at Auburn University. I'm very much looking forward uh, to, do, to that and very much looking forward to an opportunity to do the same segment a, a year from now discussing what happened in 2023. And to close out the show today, we'll do some quick picks on some SEC basketball games this Saturday. Kentucky at Tennessee, look, I don't have the time to go down the road of what is going on with Kentucky basketball. Suffice to say, they are struggling. They lost at home to South Carolina. However, that was beneficial to Auburn because now Auburn has the second longest home winning streak uh, in the SEC. And they'll look to keep that going tomorrow night against Mississippi State. But second longest home winning streak in the SEC. Uh, in the country, I mean, the the longest is uh, Gonzaga. Auburn didn't have the third longest until Kentucky lost this past week. Uh, so that was a benefit. Kentucky goes to Tennessee. I don't see them standing a chance with, with the way things are going right now. Uh, I like the balls in that one. Kind of a bottom-of-the-pack SEC uh, game here at Georgia at Ole Miss. But this is an opportunity for Ole Miss to get their first SEC win. I think they will against Georgia. Georgia, of course, coming off the win at home against Mississippi State. I like Ole Miss in this one. And with that, we will close it out today. Thank you all uh, for tuning in to Talkin' Tumors. Uh, I look forward to being back next week. It was so great to be back today. And I hope you'll stay tuned in. And as always, let me know your feedback, your thoughts on all things uh Auburn sports. See you next Friday. Thank you for listening to Talkin' Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Friday at 11 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.